Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's broadcast. We're going to be talking about something that is so phenomenal. I mean, I'm going to be handing you a tool that will forever change your life. That I'm telling you, if you put this into practice, you cannot believe the changes that are going to come about in your life. And some of them are going to start right away. Some of them are going to take place over a period of time. But we're going to be talking today about writing on your heart. And that's a biblical concept that you can actually write things on your heart. And really the terminology about writing things on your heart is like engraving something into a tablet. And what that tells you is when you engrave something into a stone tablet, it is there to stay. It's not like writing with ink or writing with a pencil, something that's going to fade away in time. I'm going to teach you how to engrave the Word of God into your heart in a way that gives you complete control over your life. Be sure and get your pen and paper ready. Here we go. Just imagine what would change if you could reprogram your heart. Because remember, we talked about this last week. The heart has everything to do with how you feel about yourself. The heart has everything to do with every decision you're going to make. The heart is the automatic pilot that's going to drive your life. It's going to determine the course that you that you end up going regardless of what you're thinking in your mind. See, in your mind, you might think, I'm going to go this way, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But the truth is, you might head in that direction for a little while, but as soon as you stop consciously moving in a chosen direction, by default, you will begin to drift back into whatever direction your heart takes you in. That's in your finances, in your relationships, in your health, in your connection with God. Everything about your life is always going to default back to the heart. Now, we talked last week about these invisible barriers. And I want you to realize that since the heart defines your sense of who you are, your heart is always trying to keep you within the boundaries or the barriers that, uh, that are harmonious with or that reflect the sense of who you are. That means that the only way to move the barriers is to change your sense of who you are, change your concept of your, of your identity. In the book of Proverbs, the third chapter, it talks about writing truth on your heart. As a matter of fact, you find this, this concept in several places in Scripture. And, and Proverbs tells us that when truth is written on our heart, it says it'll protect you when you're asleep. Now, I tell you, I've known people that stay awake at night when they're afraid, trying to come up with enough faith to believe God to protect them. The writer of Proverbs says, when you've got truth written on your heart, it'll protect you even while you sleep. It tells you that it'll guide your steps down the path that you need to go. It'll keep you away from immorality. It will, it will guard your life. In other words, once you, when you guard and establish your heart, then your heart starts guarding and establishing you based on the truth that you write on your heart. Now, I realize that in the New Covenant, that and we started out talking about how that the Word of God, all of God's law is written on your heart. But 
What you'll discover as you, as you look at and the material that we have in my new book, you'll see that the heart is part spirit, part soul. In other words, there's a part of your heart, the, the spirit part of your heart, the Word of God, everything about God is written there. As a matter of fact, God lives in that part of, in that part of your being, and, and everything God is, everything God knows, all knowledge in the world, the truth is, is right there inside of you. But the soul part of your heart, you have influence over. And so, in order to write something on your heart, you're, you're going to put in, in that part of your heart, by renewing your mind, you're going to put in that part of your heart uh, the truth that is consistent with, or that is harmonious with, what God says about you and what all of what God's truth is. And all it really takes to live a life of immovable faith is when that which God has deposited in you, the truth that He's deposited in you, and the truth that you believe in your mind and think in your mind, when those are harmonious, then your feelings and your emotions are in harmony. And when your feelings and emotions are in harmony, you have immovable faith. There is no wavering between, I feel this, oh, but now my emotions are telling me this. I feel this, now my emotions are taking me back over here. You know, in an ancient manuscript that, that uh, translates uh, many portions of the Bible, that terminology is used. It says, when these two dwell in the same house, and it's talking about the heart and the mind. When these two are harmonious or dwell in the same house, nothing is impossible to us. And see, our problem is we get born again. God writes his truth on our heart, but we don't renew our minds to, uh, uh, to think and, and have emotions and make decisions consistent with, with, with God inside of us. So we have this conflict. Our heart is divided. Our heart is not single. There's this part of us that intuitively is craving to follow God, intuitively craving to trust God. But then there's this other part of us where our intellect is in control, trying to lead us down a path that makes sense to our intellect. And I'll tell you what, the Bible says to trust in the Lord God with all your heart, not just part of your heart, with all of your heart. It says that when you do, He will establish your path. He will make things work for you. He'll make your life come together because when your heart, when all of your heart is harmonious with God's truth, you, you're, you're entering into the realm of the kingdom of God. You're entering into that realm where God's truth works, and it always, always, always works. Now, in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 23, and we read this a couple of weeks ago, and, and it, it, it talks about the fact that it says, well, let me just read this for you. It says, Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And so what we understand from this, it really doesn't matter. Reality is not what's happening out here. Reality is what's happening in here. And even though a miser or a stingy person may be giving you something, inwardly he's begrudging it, and ultimately, ultimately he's going he's gonna to despise you and turn on you because, because it is not true generosity. Man, I tell you, having been in the ministry for as long as I have, it's amazing that the people that would walk up and say, oh, man, God has put it on my heart to give this gift to your ministry or to somebody else's ministry. And, uh, and then sometime later, they come back and they're mad. I've had people come and say, man, I gave a big gift to so-and-so's ministry, and, 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 I, and I'm mad. Well, why are you mad? Well, I'm mad at what they did with it. Well, what did they do? Did they go out and get drunk? Well, no, but, but I wanted them to use it this way. Did you tell them you wanted to use them that way? No. So really then, 
you didn't really give this un, unto the Lord. In other words, even though outwardly everything said I'm being generous, inwardly you were being controlling. You were seeking to purchase something because of the motive and intention of your heart. It's amazing the things that we do outwardly that are totally inconsistent with what's going on inside of us. But there's a, a really subtle, important message that we need to get from the Scripture. Because the word think, as a man thinks in his heart, so is it. Now, that word think is a compound word, compound Hebrew word. That, and one of those words means a gate, an opening, or a crevice, or a door. One of them means a porter, a janitor, or a keeper. And so the concept here is that the thoughts of the mind are the doorkeeper of the heart. Now, a doorkeeper determines what gets in and what gets out. So if the doorkeeper of our heart is, uh, you know, immorality, if the doorkeeper of our heart is pornography, if the doorkeeper, you know, whatever we're focusing our attention on or whatever we're, whatever we're allowing ourselves to experience through our five senses, that's creating thoughts and it's creating emotions. And information or thoughts plus emotions is what influences our heart, is what opens the door to our heart. And this scripture is one of the places where we understand that. Thoughts are the doorkeeper of the heart because thoughts create emotions. Now, we have a left brain, we have a right brain, and we're predominantly a left brain society, and, um, and we, don't, we don't understand much about, about developing our capacity to use both sides of our brain. And I really encourage you, there are you know, places you can go online and you can start taking exercises to become more of a whole brain thinker. This is something about about 15 or 20 years ago, I started doing, I started taking tests to determine, you know, if I was too left brain or too right brain, because my goal was I wanted to get where when I thought about something, I was always using both parts of my brain equally, because I want to be able to, I want to be able to uh, take in intellectual or analytical information, but I want that information to always be tempered by uh, emotions and ultimately by feelings. So I, I don't want to just make decisions just based on information. And I don't want to make decisions just based on emotion. I want those two to come together. Well, when those two come together, when thought, which is information, and, and emotion comes together, then the doorkeeper of the heart opens up. And now that thing that you're thinking about that is creating strong emotions can become written on your heart. If you create a strong enough emotion, or if you think about it repetitively over and over and over. Now, in truth, this is a meditation. Now, man, you mentioned the word meditation, and some Christians just absolutely, their head explodes, uh, because their only concept of meditation is, is you know, something that people do in, in cults or, or in Eastern religions or whatever. But it doesn't really matter. Meditation, first and foremost, is a capacity that God gave us. It is in the Bible. As a matter of fact, it's in the Bible way more times than you can ever imagine based on, based on the, uh, 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 the Greek and the Hebrew. But meditation is nothing more than thinking about something until you experience it as real. Now, based on the Hebrew words, based on the Greek words, there's a lot of different factors and different little subtleties uh, uh, to meditation. But at the end of the day, 
Anything you think about until it becomes real, you have meditated. Now, the imagination is, is such an important factor. And again, we always think anything about the imagination is evil. Well, Isaiah 26.3 tells us, I will keep him in perfect peace whose imagination is stayed on me. Because the Hebrew word there is not mind. You see that the Hebrew, I don't even know if there is a Hebrew word for mind. Uh, when, almost any time you read the word mind or thoughts or whatever in, in the Old Testament, you need to look it up in a good Hebrew lexicon to find out what they're really talking about. You see, the word imagination means to form or to shape something. So when I'm imagining something, I'm taking information about that, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking about it until it starts creating emotion. That emotion uh, then feeds my imagination, and basically that starts to form or to shape something in me. That's why one of the Hebrew words for meditation means to, to form or to, to shape, because imagination is always used in meditation. Now, you may be sitting there going, I'm, I'm, I'm not meditating, that's just the devil. I'm Let me tell you something, you always meditate. Everybody meditates. Sad thing is, most of our meditation is by default and instead of by choice. And because we meditate by default, it's usually about something sinful, something destructive, something negative. You know, meditation is what gets most people into sin. Let's say, let's say that you see somebody and you're a man and you see somebody and she's incredibly good looking and you start to lust after her in your heart. Well, what are you doing? You're thinking about it. You start imagining what it might be like to, have, to kiss or to have sex with or, or be involved with this person. So what, what starts happening? You're involving your imagination with this information and now it's creating strong emotions. If you do that long enough, you will have the experience of adultery in your heart. But even more than that, you will shape this up in your heart, and once it becomes shaped in your heart, it will become the life that you pursue or the thing that you pursue. Even though intellectually, you think, I don't want to blow up my marriage, I don't want to ruin my life, or you may be thinking, this woman's crazy, but why am I so attracted to her? Because you meditate it and you ponder it. Here's another way that we meditate. When somebody offends us, we walk away from it, and we think about what they said to us, and we think about it until it creates emotion. We start imagining what we could have said to them. And, and so we, we rehearse it. And every time we rehearse it, we form something up in us and we create a stronger offense in us because we are meditating on an offense. And that's, that's why most offenses grow. They very, we, we very seldom ever experience an offense and it just stays static. Well, you see, the problem is we, uh, we participate in meditation by default, not by choice, and we usually do it with things that are negative, things that are destructive, things we have no control over, things that create fear, doubt, unbelief, instead of, by choice, meditating on God's Word. The Bible says in Psalm 1, if you meditate on God's Word, man, you're going to become, you're going to become like a tree that's planted by by the waters and your roots are going to sink deep in the earth and you're going to bear fruit and you're going to be immovable. And it's, it's the result of meditation. Now, almost everything I've seen in the Christian realm about meditation is not meditation at all. It's memorization. This is where you take a scripture and you just say it over and over again. It gets where you memorize it and you, and you memorize that scripture. So you quote that scripture. So what? You see, when you meditate on these evil things, what do you do? You imagine yourself participating in them. You know, when you, when you think about somebody you're attracted to, you don't, 
uh, stand there and just say, her name is whatever, and she's five foot six, and she weighs 128 pounds, and her hair is this color. And you, that's not what you're, you're not just, you don't just rehearse the facts. You imagine yourself involved to such a degree that you create the emotions that would be there if you really were involved. Well, see, if we're going to meditate on the Word of God, that's the same way. If I take a scripture about healing, for example, and I use this because, you know, one of the places that I learned so much about how to write on my heart and how to persuade and influence my heart came about when I was walking out of a genetic lifelong kidney disease, 30 years of a kidney disease, and ultimately reaching the place where it didn't look like I was going to live much longer, in and out of the hospital. And I'm telling you, I had to come to the place where, where, where I knew how to walk in health and healing, how to walk out of this disease. And I would take the scriptures about God's promises for healing. I'd take the scriptures about God being my healer. And, and I would worship God with those scriptures. I'd quote these scriptures. But I didn't just stop there. I would, I would imagine myself being full of energy. I'd imagine myself out in the sunshine playing with my kids. I'd imagine myself being a certain weight. You know, I was 160-something pounds laying up in the hospital bed, man. And, you know, for, for a guy my size, uh, uh, normally, that's skin and bones. And I'd imagine being strong. I would imagine having energy. And I would see myself doing these things until I, it felt real to me. Well, what was I doing? I'll tell you what I was doing. I was forming something up in my heart. I was writing a truth in my heart because, see, Faith doesn't have anything to do with what you believe in your mind unless you also believe it in your heart. Faith is about what you believe in your heart. So this means if I believe it in my heart, I see me living that. If I believe it in my heart, I'm experiencing it right now as if it's real. And what happens, it becomes so real to me that my five senses, my, my eyes and my ears and my taste and my smell and my touch, my five senses, cannot rob it from me because what's happening in here is more real than what's happening out here. Now, so writing on your heart, writing God's Word on your heart is really, and there's other terminology for this you'll hear me use, persuading your heart, establishing your heart, and these are all terms that you read throughout the Bible. A real interesting thing, you see, at the new birth, we know that in the spirit part of our heart, God puts, he writes all of his commands. And what's interesting, in the original language, that doesn't just mean he writes the rules. It means he writes everything about those, the logic, the wisdom, everything about why those rules are important is written in your inner man. But other than that, you are the only person that can write on your heart the things that will either be consistent with that or the things that will be inconsistent with that. Now, you see, our eyes and our, all of our five senses, we, we, we gather information. I'll tell you, when you gather information that's contrary to God's truth, then you'll start wavering. You know, it's, like, it's like when you've kind of started seeing yourself prospering, seeing yourself able to pay your bills, and then suddenly all these bills come in, and you start looking at your budget, and you spend hours pouring over this information, which you should be able to do that, and there's a time you'll be able to do that, 
But when looking at that information causes you to lose your feeling of confidence and you start imagining losing everything, you start imagining uh, the horrors of, I, I don't know where we're going to live, I don't know what we're going to do. Now you've wavered, you, you, you moved over here and you're starting to contradict what God wrote on your heart, maybe contradict the earlier things you wrote on your heart. I had a real interesting experience. I was, you know, when I was 28, basically I, in one day, I, I virtually almost dropped over dead. I mean, I was, I was fine one day, the next day I was in the hospital, and, and really the report I got is this guy will never leave the hospital alive. And uh, the technician that, that x-rayed my kidney said, we've never seen kidneys this bad on anybody that was still alive. So, man, it was a battle. I'm telling you, it was a battle. And, you know, and I would, health would come. I would, man, I'd have something miraculous happen. Then I couldn't keep it. And I didn't understand how you could have it and lose it and have it and lose it. And, you know, you talk to people and they say, well, you must have committed some kind of sin. You must have done this or, you know, or God's testing or something squirrely, something like that. No, the truth was I would expose myself to things that, caused me to waver and start having feelings and emotions and imaginations contrary to God's promises and God's word. I remember one time, man, I had had months being free from uh, infection and being free from pain. And I, and I stopped by my doctor's office and I got in there, I smelled, you know that doctor's office smell? I got in there, I started smelling all that. Before I left that office, I felt funny and I went back and they tested me and I had an infection. I hadn't had an infection in months. I didn't have an infection when I walked in there. I didn't have any pain when I walked in. But what happened? You see, I put my attention somewhere, and I started riding over the truth in my heart. You can write the truth in your heart. But that's why in the book of Proverbs, whenever God tells us to guard our heart, you know, he tells us, he says, here's what he says about his word, Proverbs 4.21, don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Guard or keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are spring all the issues or boundaries of life. So see, the key is I can't be putting my eyes and ears and all my other attention somewhere that creates emotions and imaginations that are contrary to the promises of God. You write the Word of God on your heart, and I got news for you. You will become immovable. You'll, you will live in the promises of God. Stick around for the mentoring moment. I've got some really important things I want to share with you. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this series on moving your invisible boundaries. This may be one of the most important series you ever listened to in your life if you put these things into practice. Remember, God is a heart God. Everything He does, He does in and through our heart. When He wants to lead us, He speaks to our heart. When He wants to protect us, he speaks to our heart. When He wants to empower us, He does it through our heart. So this series and all the tools that come with it are designed not just to give you a bunch of sermons and information, but to take you step by step to learning to establish your heart in God's truth so you will recognize His voice, so you will trust His voice when you're in time of need. Now look, if you're interested in going deeper in God while developing your faith and developing your heart, I have created some tools to help you dive into this right now. As a matter of fact, we have put together three different bundles so that you can get whatever combination of tools and resources you want at the very best possible price that you can get. And we've got my book, Moving Your Invisible Boundaries, which is an incredible book. It is the book that you want to go to to understand all the biblical principles of the heart and how they work. 
Number two, we got the audio series, Moving Your Invisible Boundaries, which is not the same as the book. It's not the same as the video, just to take you deeper and deeper in these things. And we've got my brand new, just released book, Establishing Your Heart, No More Boundaries. Now, these are tools that you can utilize. And I'm telling you, you can begin to put these things into practice tonight. Your life will be better by tomorrow. And plus, every time you invest in yourself by making any of these purchases, you invest in the kingdom of God, because we use these resources to reach to the ends of the earth to raise up one billion disciples to the Lordship of Jesus. Be sure and click on the link, check out Moving Invisible Boundaries, Establishing Your Heart, and use these tools and change your world. Because that word know has to do with experiencing. That's why you got to meditate and ponder and consider and reflect on the Word of God so you can experience it. Now listen, if you're going to start writing on your heart, you need to take scriptural promises based on the Word of God because the Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen if you're in Jesus. So any promise God's ever made to anybody, it is yes for you because you're in Jesus. And you want to take that promise and you want to ponder and consider and think about you, your life, whatever it takes to see or to experience or to imagine you living in that promise and in your heart acknowledging to God, Father, I thank you this is mine. I thank you that this is mine through the Lord Jesus. I thank you through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus uh, that, that we share in this promise together. And, and so literally make it worship. Literally make it something that uh, that that changes your emotions and changes the way you feel. And then regularly go back and revisit that. Once you've created that experience, it's really easy to go back the next time and the next time and the next time uh, and, and reconnect with that. And anytime you find yourself wavering, you want to realize all that means is I've put my attention somewhere else. I put my attention on something negative. I put my attention on something contrary to the Word of God. So the minute you have any feelings or emotions or, or negative feelings start to emerge about your situation, you stop, I mean, and interrupt that thought. And this is, uh, this is an important thing. Just interrupt that thought, however, just no, you know. And sometimes you got to do it verbally. And then you come back and, and you reconnect with and start acknowledging this promise is yours in Jesus. Start acknowledging because of the fact that you're in him, he's raised from the dead, all the promises of God are yours, however you want to do it, however you want to say it. But imagine, see, experience, feel, whatever it takes for this to be real, because you want to do this until you reach a place where when you get up off of your knees or get up out of your rocking chair or wherever it is that you, wherever it is that you go to pray and meditate, so that when you stand up, you walk out the door feeling as if this thing has already taken place. Because you see, when it feels like it's already taken place, when it's real to you, it's real. And once something becomes real to you, then all that's left to do is to not let yourself waver. And so you just catch yourself every time you waver and you bring yourself back to this place to where, no, this is my reality. And this isn't mind over matter. This is the resurrection over death. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. 
with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.